preparation through education is less costly than learning through tragedy. Max Mayfield Man's time here is finite, but the influence of a man is infinite. The question is what shall we do with the daylight that remains? Welcome back to the show. Today we're going to do something just a a little bit different than you're typically used to. So today we're talking about Family Emergency Preparedness Plan. This is written by Tina Reed. Uh, This book essentially fell in my lap, but it's something that I've been thinking about lately because if you've watched any of my economics videos or listened, listened on the podcast, I think the way the global economy is sort of hanging in the balance, uh, we are due for a major recession, potentially a depression. Well, my personal view is, is a depression, but, uh, you never really know with with these things because there's so many factors involved that you know it's it's tough to guess but if you look at like Ray Dalio's economic uh videos and things he he basically talks about short-term debt cycles and long-term debt cycles and that many short-term debt cycles turn into a long-term debt cycle now we're basically hanging around 100 years since the great depression and um that is longer than a typical long-term debt cycle. Usually it's more like 70, 75 years um, that we experience great depressions and global crashes. And so we are in the midst of that. So my best guess is uh, the next crisis you'll have to endure will not be necessarily a, a natural disaster, though that could happen at any unexpected moment. Uh, the one that seems most imminent right now is some sort of a recession or depression where, you know, jobs are limited, supply chains are interrupted, potentially military wars uh, typically happen in the depression eras. And um, who knows who that will be between and how that might happen. Uh, it could be at any scale, right? Obviously, Russia and, and Ukraine are already in it. But uh, so anyway, Emergency preparedness. I think it's kind of a, a decent idea to to think about at least and start taking assessment of where you stand with your emergency preparedness plans. And do you have a few resources at your disposal that could get you through some difficult times? So this book, like I said, it just kind of fell into my lap. So I didn't do any research on finding the best emergency preparedness book. Uh, I thought, hey, I'll just take a look at this one and and see if we can find some golden nuggets here that might help us out. So she says, the need to prepare beyond the basics. Even among the most optimistic souls, there is ample cause for prudent concern about being prepared for survival in a variety of emergency situations, perhaps more so today than any other time in the history of the world. The consequences of events half a world away seem to affect each of us more immediately and more severely than during the previous 20 or 50 years. It seems we are under almost constant threat from hurricanes, tornadoes, blizzards, drought, precipitation, natural and man-made disasters, upheavals in the economic world, widespread interruptions of electrical, water, gas outages, crops and animal production failures, labor and union strikes, production reduction, acts of terrorism, potential, some experts say, imminent spread of a deadly human disease, (laughs) disruption of public services, 
police, fire, public transportation. Because the economy has become global, any number of these events could disrupt the flow of commerce, without which our cupboards would be empty within a few days. Population density and the concentration of buildings in previously undeveloped locations can intensify the consequences of most of these situations. There is also the threat of a worldwide pandemic, which the experts predict could affect the way we live our everyday lives for an entire year or more. Now, <laughs> this book was written in 2008. So clearly, you know, thinking on that, the time that's passed since she wrote this book and what's happened, many of these things have happened in a variety of different locations in the world, especially that pandemic that we're also familiar with, right? She says, family emergency preparedness is not just about surviving storms, earthquakes, or power outages. It's also about protecting against the effects of seasonal layoffs company downsizing, and other financial crises such as labor strikes. Unfortunately, one does not have to be directly involved with these kinds of events to be affected by them, and it's about safeguarding the family's welfare in case of an injury or an extended illness involving the family's breadwinners. You know the risk your family might face. So, you know, a good piece of advice there, right? Set yourself up with not only some investments accounts and things like that so that you've got some finances, but supply chains could be disrupted. We saw that during COVID. We're still seeing it in various ways. In fact, in Europe, they're having all kinds of fuel shortages. My in-laws just took a trip to, to Europe and they had to wait like two hours just to get some gas because at the time there was uh, major shortages. And so gas stations had limited supplies and things and people were just uh, having a hard time getting enough fuel in their vehicles to do the regular grind. So we've experienced a bit of this recently. It could escalate many times worse depending on the direction the economy goes, right? Uh, even as far back as a couple years ago, going to like LA, you'd see all these cargo ships out in the bay that apparently had a lot of cargo in them, but we could not get enough people to help unload the cargo, depending on licenses and crane operators and different things. I mean, things happen. And, and what we're used to today, where so many things have become centralized, like, I don't remember the numbers, but a very tiny number of people provide all the food in agriculture for the country, right? Whereas you know, generations back, everyone had a farm. Now, almost nobody you know has a farm, but they farm thousands of acres. And so if something happens in that region or to their supply chain or to, you know, equipment or fuel or something, those farmers are, are out of luck, right? And that means transportation of food is done. That means grocery stores don't have what they need. That means your cupboards are bare within a few days or weeks, right? So um, making sure that we're, we're ready to survive something like that. She has these levels of preparedness. She says, what are the levels of preparedness? The family emergency preparedness plan breaks our emergency preparedness responses into four types of scenarios or levels of preparedness. Preparations at each level build upon the prior level and become cumulative. Each level is based on the projected circumstances surrounding each emergency scenario and factors in the estimated length of time associated with each situation. To determine which level of preparation are appropriate for your family, you need to answer these questions before you prepare your personal plan. 
So she's got six questions and then she's got all these grids and things throughout the book that you can use. Um, I'll, I'll talk them out a little bit so that you can kind of use some form yourself. So she says, number one, what types of emergency situations might my family face? Number two, what are the chances on a scale of one to 10 that we could or will experience any of these situations? Number three, what is the estimated duration of each type of emergency we might face? Number four, what is the likelihood of continued utility in public service, electric, water, natural gas, telephone, banking, police, medical services, and so forth during each type of emergency listed? Number five, what is the probability that truck and rail systems will be able to transport freight to retail outlets, preserving our continued ability to purchase the goods and services we need? Number six, what is the likelihood that my family will be able to remain in our home during each emergency scenario? And here are the plans assumptions for each of the four levels of preparation. The first level is a 72-hour kit. Evacuate to a shelter or be mobile. No utilities. So this is something that you can essentially just grab a backpack for each individual in your family and hit the road. You'll have enough food, water, and clothing to to get through a few days and you're going to go seek out some, some other shelter, whether that's provided by the government or, or communities or churches or something, or you're going to figure that on your own and get to extended family or something. Number two, a 14 day evacuation plan. This is evacuate to a shelter or be mobile and no utilities as well. Number three is a 90 day plan. Remain at home, no public utilities or services. So maybe uh, an earthquake or something happened, the chaos is over, and now you know a lot of power outages, highways are struggling, uh, utilities are down, and it's going to take a while to do to rebuild. Number four, one year, remain at home, limited utility and public services. Okay, so she breaks down each of these different kits how you're going to prepare for them and ways to think about it. So the next thing that she has is like a grid that helps you sort of uh, go through all these things. So I'll, I'll list, you know, a handful of these. She says layoffs, terminations, illnesses, death, uh, financial disaster, military activation, blizzard, ice storm, hurricane, avalanche, flooding, tornado, mudslide, tropical storm, tsunami, cyclone. Okay. And it goes on. And so, Everything that you can think of, you list down the left-hand side. Those are the emergencies. Across the top, she says, are we at risk? Then risk factor, and that's like a, a rating, one to five. Stay at home, yes or no. Evacuate, traveling. Will we have utilities? Will we have fire and police? Will we have medical? Will we have retail duration? And then what are our what is our level of preparedness, one to five? So you can kind of do that for your own territory, right? So whatever geography you live in. So I'm in, in the mountains of Utah. So I live literally right by this fault line that is way past due for a major earthquake. So that's a, that's a relevant one, but obviously tsunamis and tornadoes and things like that are pretty much irrelevant here. So you do the assessment for where you live. What's the most likely thing? In my opinion, all the effects we saw in the great depression are something we're going to see in the near future. Okay, so the 72-hour kit, short-term, right? Preparation at this level involves making 72-hour kits for every family member. 
A 72-hour kit includes compact, easy-to-grab, individualized prepackaged containers such as a backpack filled with the most basic survival needs for one or more person for a period of three days. It's what you might toss into your car before starting out on a winter road trip or that you could grab at a moment's notice were you suddenly required to leave your home in anticipation of some potentially life-threatening situation. And then number two, 14 days Second level assumes that there would be no public services. Um, this is a little bit beyond the 72-hour kit, but no longer than a two weeks. It also presumes that you might have to live in a public shelter outdoors or in your vehicle or RV and includes the possibility that you might even have to keep moving from one place to another. However, you could also use the level two supplies if you were able to remain in your home, but were without any services of any type. So level three is a 90 days self-reliant. Uh, under this scenario, you'll have no use of automobiles after you run out of gas because gasoline would not be available, no heat except what you can provide on your own, and no potable water for up to three months. That one makes me think of the Texas ice storms. Uh, I had a lot of colleagues down there that it was only a few days, but a, a lot of the utilities and things like that were just gone. And so they had to figure out how to stay warm in a climate that's typically warm, but for some reason at that time was very, very cold. And uh, so, you know, any emergency preparedness there would have gone a long way for those people. Level four, one year or long-term self-reliance. This level includes the presumption to be on the safe side of limited availability of outside services and commerce, such as rationing of gasoline shortages or unavailability of everyday items we take for granted, like being able to replace that fuse your vehicle uses to make the headlights work, or perhaps public water only being available between certain hours on certain days. Depending upon where you live, you might decide to make adjustments in these assumptions or to work with another set of contingencies. The important thing is to consider all the realistic possibilities that make provisions for the survival, safety, welfare, and comfort of your family in that order. So now that we've got the, the levels that she's talking about, it's kind of like, okay, what ones are most relevant to you and how are you going to prepare it? Uh, I kept thinking, man, I should just keep building upon my hunting and camping supplies. And a lot of those are really great for a lot of this plan, right? So it's, it's not only a hobby, it's not only a way to get some, some good natural meat, but having all the extras that you can purchase for hunting and camping turns into an excellent, uh, emergency preparedness plan. <laughs> so a few suggestions to help you kind of figure out what you, you should add to your list here. She says, ask if your hospital has a prepared recommended home emergency list. Number two, find out if you live in a floodplain or near unstable hillsides or a fault line. There's a FEMA website, FEMA.gov, a lot of good information. University cooperative extension offices usually have good uh, material. U.S. General Services Administration's Consumer Information Catalog. Uh, the Red Cross is one that we probably are used to. All right, so, so start with the essentials. Water, food, sanitization first aid in that order. That's what she says. So she's going to describe those things in more detail. I'll spare you some of the details. I want to mostly just give you a highlight of like what she's recommending, the orders, the things you should think about, 
And then, of course, you can dive into some of the resources. So basic food survival storage. This method involves storing large quantities of wheat, honey, oil, powdered milk, and salt. The idea here is that these five commodities can be used in a variety of ways to provide a survival diet, and the wheat can be a self-perpetuating source of additional food. So it's a very easy, simple plan, right? Just load up on those things, done. Now, you'll hate life because you got no variety, but at least you can you can get by. <laughs> so MREs, meals ready to eat, are like those used by the military. MREs offer a fairly wide variety to choose from and can be eaten directly from the container if necessary without cooking or heating, and they don't require refrigeration. Slightly more pricey, but they come with a little bit of variety, uh, complete meals, and easy to store and pack. Prepackaged dehydrated meals, these are available pre-assembled in little boxes that include all the ingredients for complete meals for one or more individuals for a specific period of time. And then store what you eat. This means a menu-based food storage plan built around simple meals that include the types of food your family is used to eating. So a little more difficult, but yeah, you know, find dried versions or um, bulk up on things that are easy to store that your family actually enjoys so that your diet is not completely flipped on its head to things that you don't like and never eat. <laughs> Something to keep in mind as you're storing things, she says the environment in the storage location affects the shelf life of canned and packaged food. To safeguard the condition of the food, it should be stored in cool, dark places, protected from wide temperature fluctuations so far as is practical. It has been demonstrated, however, that after long periods of storage, the texture of some food may decline, but the food will retain most of its nutrients. K rations dating back to World War II and discovered in the French countryside have been opened and found to be quite palatable and nutritionally sound even after 65 years. So the question of the shelf life is probably still open to debate. This food storage plan incorporates a five-year rotation period. Five years is nice to work with because you only have to prepare 20% of your meals from storage each month to rotate virtually all your food storage in that period. So she's saying, while you're not in an emergency situation, prepare 20% of your meals throughout the year using your food storage so that you can purchase new food storage and therefore keep good quality food in your food storage. Another uh, grid and list, this comes under when you can't call a plumber. <laughs> and uh, it's basically saying a bunch of tasks, learn from and details. So a few examples on this, this list is quite long, but use a fire extinguisher. Can you do that? Safest home location during an earthquake. Do you know where you should get to in your home if, if possible? Or a tornado or uh, can you shut off a main gas or fuel line? Can you shut off the main water line? Can you shut off the water to a specific utility? Can you relight a pilot light in your furnace or your water heater or those things? Can you turn off the electrical main switch? Where's your breakers, right? Understand these things. Can you repair a damaged electrical cord? Refill the oil in your car or do some basic maintenance on your vehicles, including switching out like an electrical fuse. Make sure you know how to 
change tires and jumpstart a car and those kinds of basic things. Locate your insurance policies and other documents that you may need that might come in handy when the dust settles. All right. She's getting into rationale behind the categories. So light, how are you going to have light during a power outage, especially if it's extended, right? She talks about making your own candles and just storing those in cans. So you can use old food cans, use sawdust and wax, put wicks in them, pack those candles and they'll stay good for a long time. One candle will burn for, for about three days uh, with moderate use. Heat sources, how are you going to keep heat and shelter? Uh, again, going back to the whole camping and hunting thing. If you've got your tents or an RV or something that you like to use on a regular basis, that makes it easy. Uh, transportation alternatives. What if the roads don't work or your car doesn't work or there's not enough gas? The gas stations are no longer in use. So you basically have one tank of gas. <laughs> what are you going to do? Bicycles, e-bikes, solar panels. Those are all wonderful things to have now. Emergency power sources. Again, can you get a generator that operates off of uh, solar panels or something like that? Do you have a place to store enough fuel if you have a fuel generator? Water, how are you going to store it? How are you going to make sure that it's uh, drinkable water? Sanitization, alternate methods of clothes, and how are you going to do laundry? And then cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, bedding, important documents, contact information, Entertainment and distract to distract you while you pass the time. Cookware, utensils, money, and exchange mediums. First aid kit. I think this is a big one. Right when when things are bad, uh, small infections and things turn into a disaster. Comfort and grooming. So she goes on and on. Right, pets. If you have pets, you might want to think about that. Physical protection, etc. And then going into the non-food preparedness list. I mean, I kind of hit some of these uh, a moment ago, but she's also got another grid put down the left-hand side box together. So she's bundling key areas, right? Emergency power, your inverter, converter, small generator, uh, tools, other tools that you'd like to have, uh, flares, mirrors, batteries, radios, headlights, a mechanical clock, glow sticks, flashlights, etc. Then Fuel, extra wicks, extra lamps, waterproof, right? So this under her light and heating, uh, hunting, food and gathering. So ammunition, knives, guns, vests, etc. She's got one for shelter and heat. Use the RV, the tent, the tarps, ropes, wood stove. So then shelter and heat. Use the use the RV, the tents, tarps, stakes, ropes, wood stove, transportation, sewing and notions, water supply. Sanitization. I'll just throw that. I'll, let's go through sanitization real quick. A five-gallon bucket with a cover and handle. Antibacterial liquid soap. Waterless antibacterial lotion. Paper toilet covers. Lysol spray. Small shovel. Lawn bags. Newspapers. Plastic bags. Plastic sheeting for in-ground tub. Bleach. Toilet paper. Wet wipes. So she's got a bunch of these grids. They keep going and going and going. So anyway, the book, you know, it's a, it's a decent plan. It's not like a fun read. It's more of a, obviously a workbook for your plan. To me, I was more interested in, in kind of jump starting, starting your ideas and thoughts around preparedness, knowing that there's a lot of financial chaos out there. The job market, it seems to be hanging in the balance and there's, there are 
plenty of reasons to take a second and think about your preparedness plan. Make sure you got some resources to get through some hardship. It will definitely help you prevent some long-term hardship. When I think back to 2008 and how many people lost everything as far as their finances um, that could have been retained a bit had they had the ability to sort of weather a storm, somewhat long-term storm without trying to sell everything they own at discount rates and things like that. I know people that lost houses and cars and trucks and boats and everything for basically nothing and went bankrupt. Whereas had they had a plan, they might've ridden the storm out and been okay and, and been right back on their feet in a couple of years. So, uh, worth your thoughts. Again, this book's called Family Emergency Preparedness Plan by Tina Reed. Uh, I, I don't know. There's probably a bunch of other books out there on the same topic that, that have similar ideas, but I hope you guys got some value out of this. Next week, we'll be back to something a bit more typical for us. We're going to be talking about What's In It For Them by Joe Polish. So I hope to see you next week. Thank you guys for listening. Catch you on the next one. Hey, thanks for listening to the entire episode. As a token of gratitude, I want to give you a discount on my book, Ingrained. Head over to bronsonwilkes.com store and download Ingrained for less than a dollar with the coupon code GOALS, G-O-A-L-S.